The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. The network has grown. It's added five new podcasts to our ranks recently, bringing the total number of podcasts up to 30, and that's since August. Find out more about our shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com, and stay till the end of this episode so I can tell you about one of our members, the Fourth Line Podcast. Chile is a unique country in more ways than one. First, let's talk about its physical shape. Chile is unique in its north to south length and its thin east to west span. The widest point across it from coast inland, it's only 350 kilometers. That's only about 50 kilometers more than the distance on the QE2 highway from Edmonton to Calgary. From northern to southern tip, Chile spans 4,300 kilometers, and that means that Chile's landscape and climate are both extremely varied. The country spans about four major climate zones, but according to the Köppen climate classification, it's more like nine, from arid deserts to Mediterranean coastal climates to tundra. Santiago sits almost right in the middle of Chile. It's one of the largest cities in North America, with a population of about 5.5 million. A little more than Los Angeles, and a little less than Rio de Janeiro. Join me as we make our way to Santiago, Chile, by way of China, to visit a teacher and playwright who decided to take a chance on a life teaching abroad on the expats. Welcome to The Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. If you don't live in Alberta, you might not have keenly felt the nosedive the economy took back in 2014 and 2015. Heather Morrow did. And it was exactly the kick in the butt she needed to begin a new expat adventure. But before she found her way to Chile, she started things out in China. Uh, I have been to uh, Zhongshan in southern China and Santiago, the capital city of Chile so far. And you started, I guess started, I don't know if that's really the right way to say it, but what were you doing in China? Uh, I was teaching English there. Uh, I was um, I was kind of in a funny spot uh, back in Canada in my life. Uh, the, the bottom fell out of the oil market in Alberta, as we all know, and I was working in the oil field services industry. So uh, yeah, I just thought, okay, it's time to do something different. And I had always kind of wanted to go overseas and teach, but I had been scared. <laughs> so I thought, okay, it's, I guess now's the time. So was, I got my TEFL certificate over three weekends uh, through something called Oxford Seminars. Uh, they're based in Ontario, but they have branches all over Canada. So I did that in May of 2015. And the nice thing about Oxford Seminars is they have something called a graduate placement service, which you belong to for the rest of your life, even after you finish one of their courses. Oh, So, oh. yeah, I uploaded my uh, resume uh, to their website, 
and they found me a job with uh, a couple of different places in China, and I went with uh, the one in Zhongshan because uh, I, I heard from the school directly rather than a recruiting agency, and it seemed a little less intimidating because it was close to Hong Kong. So, <laughs> so I went there in September of 2015. Um, yeah. So this was really all about kind of. Um you had been afraid to do to travel before, but you the oil market did what it did, and you thought, you know what, this is it. the The, cur- <laughs> yeah. the courage came from a from a, a sort of I don't want to say a resigned sense of moving on, but uh, that's kind of what it sounds like. Well, I was kind. Of, I admit, I was kind of a it was kind of a push and a pull. I I had actually lived overseas before in uh, in the United Kingdom. I was in Scotland from two thousand four to two thousand eight, but they more or less speak the same language. So this was. <laughs> I had never been to Asia uh, before this experience. So yeah, it was a a very big change. And yeah, I I just wanted to do something completely different. And I I, I admit, I've been involved in in theater on and off for a long time, but it's never quite paid the bills. So I was basically taking a number of different, mostly admin jobs to kind of underwrite my playwriting career. And I was just getting a little bit weary of that. So I thought, well, if the teaching thing works out, then maybe I can become an ESL teacher back in Canada. And yeah, that's what I'm actually uh, focusing on right now. I've just finished the um, online coursework through the um, ESL uh, certificate at uh, the University of Calgary. I'm going to do a a practicum when I get back, and then I'll be qualified to teach uh, immigrants and refugees their English when I get back to Canada. Well, that's really cool. And you know, if nothing else, I, I assume in a, experiences traveling around would inspire the playwright in you as well. It, it actually has. I've, uh, I've gotten quite a few ideas uh, kind of um, electrified since I started traveling around. And it's kind of funny because like, uh, some of what I've been writing recently isn't directly related to the places I've been, but I think like just ha- having my brain cracked open and, and seeing things and hearing things that I, I wouldn't normally has just kind of opened me up uh, to, to the ideas that, that I had before, um, which has been really, really neat. So yeah, and, and that's not to say that that, uh, um, that the people I've met and what I've seen like it isn't showing up in my plays directly at all. It is. But yeah, I actually had a couple of ideas before I went to China, which I had kind of just left on the back burner and then they just kind of blew up <laughs> while I was over there. Okay, that's that's fantastic. Now, tell me about what brought you to Santiago. It's pretty far away from China, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, uh, I was in China for a year and a half. It, um, I, I enjoyed it there, but it wasn't quite for me. I, I have uh, co-work- had co-workers back there who uh, have been there for five years. Um, I, I knew one fellow who had gotten married over there and has been there for 10. So, I mean, some people make a very long-term go of it. Um it, like I say, it just wasn't quite for me, um, and, and I can talk about that more in a minute, but uh, I, I then decided, I, I also needed uh, more experience teaching adults directly, because that's really what the market in Canada is, so I started looking around for um, a place where I could specifically teach adults. Um, I had kind of elementary level Spanish, and I thought, well, perhaps I could like, actually improve it if I went to a Spanish-speaking country, um, so I contacted Oxford Seminars again, because I'm still part of the Graduate Placement Service. And they put me in touch with a, a couple of different schools. One was in Peru, one in one in Santiago, the one here, and one in Costa Rica, I think. And just the idea of Chile just really appealed to me. Um, so yeah, I decided to go with this one. 
So I came here. Uh, their school year is completely different because it's in the, the southern hemisphere. So for them, like autumn is in March, and uh, we're just beginning spring now. So uh, I started here in, uh, I think it was the last week of April is when my classes began. So what was it? what's different about Santiago that sort of piqued your curiosity over a place like Costa Rica? Um, I think partly because uh, it was in the Southern Hemisphere, and I, I figured uh, there would be a slightly different um, outlook on life uh, than what I've been accustomed to. I mean, the Northern Hemisphere, of course, is an enormous place, but I mean, you, you always hear the jokes about um, the toilet water going the opposite way in <laughs> New Zealand and Australia and so on. And I thought because the, the seasons are flipped, that maybe it would be um, just a little different, a little neat to experience that, and it has been. Um, Winter is not the same here as it is in Canada. There was that one day of snow, which made the news in Canada, which I thought was hilarious. It was like <laughs> we'd never seen snow in Canada before. Like, really? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a very different experience here. I, I've heard people saying um, that they didn't really understand what Christmas was until they had gone from Chile to visit um England or the United States, for example, in December. And then they realized, oh, so all of this Christmas symbolism that we have back in our Catholic country, it comes from the fact that it's supposed to be winter, <laughs> but for us, summer. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was very strange for me to be getting all the Facebook posts from home, uh, friends having barbecues, and then the, the, their kids getting ready to go to school this past week. And for me, it's spring. Uh, there's like trees in blossom and the grass is starting to come back after being like rained on with very, very cold, wet weather for about four months. So it's, yeah, it's a very, it, it's a very different flip <laughs> to the brain. Uh, I'm a little nervous that I'm going to be going back to Canada in December from high summer here to the middle of winter there. It's probably not really going to be good for my immune system, but I'll deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're just going to have to make sure that you've got that winter coat packed. Uh, you you know, let's talk a little bit about Christmas. I mean, is it celebrated the same way there, just without the snow? Or is it a less intense experience than, say, in in the colonies, I suppose? <laughs> Um, I don't know yet because I've only been here since April, so I'm going to have my, my first little taste of Christmas come December. But ah. in China, it was very, very odd because it, it's not strictly a holiday over there, but they do have it. Um, partly because of the American Western influence, uh, partly because they just like a good party <laughs> and anything where you can put up garish decorations and even more led lights they're all about that <laughs> so, but but it was very very strange as well um because um you you, you you might be aware of this there's there's all the little jokes as well about um how, how english gets mixed with chinese and sometimes they don't spell things quite right and that's absolutely true in some of the public signage you'll see over there. Um, Santa Claus looks, well, generally he, he looks fine. There, there were some Santa Clauses I saw over there. I just thought, um, the, the, I don't know if it's the eyes or the beard, but wow, that's not quite like, wow. Like having only two reindeer, like just to give the scene of reindeer rather than there being like the eight or nine. Hmm. <laughs> just lots of little things like that. Um, but yeah, it was lovely. Oh, the, the Christmas carols over there are really strange as well because they translate them into English and they're, they're sung in English like over the the, the radio in, in supermarkets. But it, again, they don't sound quite right. 
but it was fun. Uh, they had uh, they've got Starbucks as well, and uh, yeah, they had um, they didn't have pumpkin spice latte and and the Christmas coffees like in Canada and the U.S., but they did have butternut toffee latte, which is the thing at Christmas time in the UK. And I thought that was interesting. You've oh. got the, the UK Christmas coffee, but not the American Christmas coffees. <laughs> huh. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. The, the big holiday in China, of course, is Chinese New Year, which is like Christmas and New Year for them, and like just everything bundled into one. And it's, it's a month long. It, it is seriously a month. Like Technically, the holiday is only about two weeks, but people take the, the previous week and the week after off as well. And like for just a month in the city that I was living in, which is not a major city, there was no one there because it's not the hometown of a lot of people. Everyone goes home for New Year's. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of weird. Like for my city of like, which is normally 3 million people, which is small for China to be deserted (laughs) for a month over Chinese New Year. It was incredible. But, but I mean, there are still a few people hanging around and there's fireworks every night. Oh, cool. Like, like being set off in the street. <laughs> oh, maybe less cool. Less cool. <laughs> you, you just have to know like, like where to stand. It's like, say, say, health and safety are not really big issues in, in China. People don't wear their seatbelts. Um, I, I would never have driven a car over there. Just You, you just don't drive over there. You just don't. <laughs> <laughs> what, what if about, there are rules, they're not enforced. <laughs> yeah. What about yeah, in, so it was Christmas in China. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds really... It sounds you know, like a reasonable facsimile, but still just not quite what we're used to here. Exactly. <laughs> Which is what kind of made it neat. It's like to, to experience it like through someone else's interpretation. It, it was fun in its way. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you're in Chile and you're, and you're, it sounds like you've got a time limit on the amount of time you're there. So you arrived in April and what's the plan? Um, I'm actually going to be here for, for their, their one full school year, uh, which, like I said, starts in March. Um, I, I began teaching my classes last week of April. My contract is until December. Um, I have family stuff that I need to get back to. And like I said, I've, I've, I've finished my coursework for my ESL certificate. I just have to do the practicum now, which I have registered for in January. Great. So, yeah, I do need to be back for that. So I'm just going to be here for the one school year. So and it, it's it's kind of odd, even though like I have um, about half classes with um, young students and half classes with adults, even though um, some of our classes are with adults, um, they, they follow the, the school year as well. Because once it's summer here, uh, again, it's kind of, it sounds like it becomes like a three month long party, like that there's absolutely <laughs> no teaching work happening. Everyone is just, just goes to the beach. We're going to take just a quick break so I can tell you a bit more about our sponsor for this episode. Edmonton Community Foundation. The Edmonton Community Foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to help create a strong, vibrant community in Edmonton for generations to come. The foundation also produces the Well-Endowed podcast, which gets its name from the fact that the ECF helps donors set up endowment funds to support good works in the Edmonton community. The latest Well-Endowed podcast episodes features a terrific interview with Edmonton-based international journalist Omar Mualam. This is an episode that's near and dear to my heart, because not only does it feature Omar, one of my favorite writers, and new dad, by the way, congratulations, Omar, but the topic is about what it means to be Canadian both within this country of ours and outside its borders. It's the ideal companion episode to everything we're trying to do here at The Expats. You can check out that episode on the web at thewellendowedpodcast.com or find it on Apple Podcasts. And now... On with the show. Now, you know, China is, a, it sounds like, you know, in some ways, 
very, very different from from North American culture. What what's the culture in Chile like? Is I mean, it sounds like they know how to enjoy themselves during the summertime. What can you tell me about the Chilean people that uh, that has sort of stood out for you? Overall, everyone is just extremely friendly, which I, I kind of expected anyway. Um, it's a very odd combination here. Um, I've only been to the U.S. a few times. I've been to California once with my family back when I was 13. I've been to um, Oregon a few times. My sister lives there. And funnily enough, there's a lot about Santiago that kind of reminds me of the U.S., if I can put it that way. Um, there's a lot of uh, U.S. franchises that have made their way here, like uh, Applebee's, um, Starbucks again, of course, um, Johnny Rockets. I don't know if, if you were around for them when they were in Canada. They, they used to have a location West Edmonton Mall years ago. I remember. It's kind of like a, yeah, diner-style burgers and milkshakes. That's absolutely huge here. They're oh. everywhere. I was absolutely gobsmacked when I first saw one. Um, and there's a lot of uh, English-language music and TV, which was a little unsettling. Um I, I don't quite know, and I'd be interested to um, to see what it's like in other places in South America. And unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to get a chance to uh, travel around much um, down here. But uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of um, American influence, it seems. I mean, th- that, that being said, like there's not a lot of English like in, in signage or anything. And, and of course, the, the big language is um, Spanish. The Spanish is very funny. Um, I, I've learned to uh, pick up on some of the issues uh that uh spanish speakers have here with english and they are quite different than they probably would be in other south american countries for example um and and my spanish has not improved very much i will admit that (laughs) but one of the big things is they really have trouble with s's the the chilean accents uh instead of saying buenos dias which is you know a simple example they'll say bueno dia uh gracia (laughs) <laughs> like they don't, they don't use their S's. And you can imagine that's a really big problem when you're trying to learn English plurals. No <laughs> so, doubt. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, very funny to um, listen to my students um, c- kind of laugh at themselves as they're making these mistakes and they know their mistakes. <laughs> and then <laughs> I... They, they say that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm clearly nice because I'm a Canadian, but when I'm teaching, I get a little bit miffed <laughs> they don't say the rest so wait <laughs> so a how do they how do they do they do they just ignore the s or do they use a different sound like does it come across as more of a lisp or something like that no they just don't say it oh, it's, weird. It's, there, there is no s there that's really weird <laughs> just leave them off <laughs> it's just their accent um there's a number of other places where um they insert their own little things like um another um, obvious example the Depending on the context, the word for a small in Spanish is either a poco or a pequeño. In uh, Chile, they like to add ito to the end of everything. So everything is poquito, or if it's a small black dog, it's negrita. Or if it's, uh, um, I, I get called niña or nenita, uh, which kind of means deer. <laughs> <laughs> so everything is ita. And that's <laughs> and just, that a, threw, it's just a thing they yeah. do. It's just the thing they do. It, oh. That apparently threw uh, some of my coworkers whose Spanish was actually very good before they first arrived. And then they had to kind of relearn what they were hearing because it didn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think that that's another um, symptom of just how, how nice they are and just how much they enjoy everything. It's just like having this like a, it's like at, at the end of everything because everything is, it, it is fun. 
<laughs> question that I get. I like that. How how do Chileans regard Canadians? Are we really even on their radar at all? Um, we are in the sense that um, oh god, this is this is a lot to live up to. I mean, like I kind of had a notion of how how Canada was regarded before I went outside of Canada, but now, especially recently, like we're regarded as this kind of beacon. Oh my god. <laughs> that uh, um, stands up for people and that people outside of Canada look up to, which is kind of unsettling. It's like I kind of feel like I, I have a responsibility to be an especially good citizen while I'm here. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, I, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I, I thought that maybe being in South America for a while, I would hear less about um, the madness uh, that's going on in North America, but nope. Um, you have uh, freestyle rappers. Uh, who come on the bus and uh, they'll just talk about Donald Trump. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh my yes. gosh that that must be like kind of cool, actually. It, it is. It's um. It, well, I can talk about the, the, the nice thing about that is like I'll, I'll talk about the the performers for a minute. It's it's both kind of neat and again unsettling. Um, there's there's a very big um. A gap between rich and poor here. Um, that that's a fact. Um, you see a lot of people um, busking in the middle of the street, so like traffic will stop, and then you'll have people come out juggling and stilt walking, and uh, yeah, like people will just come on the bus or the metro. The, the metro here is is it's wonderful, but it's absolutely crazy. In I, I've been to Tokyo as well, and the Tokyo metro and the metro in Santiago, they're about on par for how well used and how busy they are. They're insane. <laughs> but uh, people will come on and perform on their violins. Uh, like sometimes you'll get like a full band with a drum on the metro performing. Hmm. And yeah, you've got the, the rappers. Like we just come on with like a, a boom box and they'll just rap about the other people like on the train with them. <laughs> That's really cool. I mean, I, I imagine it gets annoying after a little while. I mean, you know, you kind of want maybe a quiet commute or something. Good. If they're good, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, yeah. Interesting divide between uh, rich and poor. And, you know, maybe not terribly surprising, but, um, but uh, I, I mean, I know very little about Chile. All I know is that they are a soccer-crazed nation, are they not? Oh, yes. Uh, you will see the photo of Alexis Sanchez absolutely everywhere. I think he, oh, God, he has endorsements with... Uh, I think it, yeah, it's Gatorade. Gatorade, oh. uh, the new phone, a, a Chinese brand of phone. Actually, they're making inroads here. They're called Huawei. Oh, I've heard uh, of them. Yeah, A W E I. Yeah, <laughs> so he advertises for them. He he is very much admired and looked up to. He came from a very very poor village, um, way up north in the. Um, I think it was actually in the Atacama Desert, in North Chile, and he was spotted by a scout. And now he plays for. Oh God, I'm going to get it wrong. Is it Real Madrid? I don't even know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't no, remember the, the team he plays with, but he's on Chile's national team as well, of course. And yeah, he's everywhere. Oh, so you're, yeah, you're when, definitely... when, there's a, when there's a game on, the city shuts down. <laughs> That's <It's> crazy. <laughs> everyone in the bank, everyone in all the restaurants, there's a TV and everyone's glued to it. No one's like paying attention to anything else. It's like, oh, I ordered a coffee, but it's not here yet. I don't care. Have they scored yet? <laughs> wow. So even, I mean, it sounds like it's more fanatical than Canadians are about uh, about hockey, certainly. Oh, um, really. I mean, like, hockey is the closest thing we have to compare it to, but it's not really the same thing. I remember even when I lived in the UK, I mean, uh, the things just shut down as well when football was on over in Europe. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it, it takes over everything. No it doubt. Really does. 
So tell yeah. me a little bit about some of the things that uh, you miss about your home country, other, of course, than your friends and family when you're when you've been traveling. Oh, um, I've been trying to find maple syrup here just as a treat. I could find it in China, but I can't find it here. Uh, Not at all. People keep eh? telling me that it's available at this one big supermarket called Leader, uh, which is actually owned by Walmart. Um, oh, <laughs> they they, uh, they did they were a separate company originally, but I think Walmart bought them about three years ago. I think someone told me. Anyway, yeah, um, maple syrup. I can't find it here, and I'm really starting to have a hankering. Um, what else? Uh, I've been craving Tim's, which is ridiculous because I mean we've got really lovely coffee here and, and tea shops, <laughs> but yeah, just it's Tim's and I miss it. Um, I had pizza for the first time, like proper pizza, uh, back on Friday. I was in the house with some friends after we went to a show, and I, like, I almost cried <laughs> because it was pizza. <laughs> um, last year, uh, my second Christmas in China, um, my one friend decided that he was going to find us a turkey. I thought, you're mad. Like, how much is that going to cost? Like, we can just have a potluck like we did last year. But no, he insisted we find a turkey. We did. It came from Chile, weirdly enough. <laughs> <laughs> And I was actually so glad that we did get it because I almost wept when I bit into the turkey as well because bear in mind, I hadn't been to the last two Christmases at home. I missed two Thanksgiving, so I hadn't had, hadn't had turkey in about a year and a half. Very cool. Now, uh, you know, you, you, uh, the, the economy did its thing here and you decided to do your thing abroad. What advice would you give to other Canadians who maybe find themselves in a similar situation and are ready to haul anchor and check out uh, different lands? Um, first, I would say that if you do just want to do something different and see a new place, um, by all means, like, like teaching is a really great way to do that. Um, if you have specific goals, like, um, trying to save a bit of money, um, really look at the country that you're going to. Um, Asia really still is the best place for that, but not everywhere in Asia. Um, if you're going to, um, Southeast Asia in particular, or if you're going to South America, it's not strictly volunteer, but you will not put a lot of money away. Like you will live quite nicely while you're there, but the exchange rate is so poor that you won't be bringing a lot of money home with you. So just bear that in mind. Um, otherwise, just have an open mind. I mean, uh, there are a few people, unfortunately, who I met, like who really couldn't take the fact that the place they visited was so different from home, which you think is a little bit arrogant. But I mean. Some people have this concept that, well, like I, I'm going to a different place, but I still want running water. I still want all the foods that I'm accustomed to. I don't actually want to, I'm not, don't want to go that far out of my comfort zone. And they find that they actually do have to. So, so just remember that um, if you're going to a new place, then you're going to experience a genuinely new place and be open to that. Um, yeah. Uh, get to know uh, your co-workers and, and your students and uh, the people around you because part of the fun is that you don't know what's happening all the time. <laughs> There's yeah. been a lot of incidents where I, I had no clue. And it's just like, oh, I'm, what am I eating? Oh, all right, squirrel. <laughs> I don't believe you, but <laughs> you say I'm eating squirrel. Okay, fine, it's meat. <laughs> I'm really, really glad that, that I did it. Um, like I say, China wasn't exactly for me, but I'm so glad I went. I mean, there were so many things about it that were incredible, and it's such an important country now. Yeah. I mean, um, culturally, economically, it's. I think it's, I, I really advise 
everyone like to go actually live there not just visit it but go pick a place in china and live there for a bit and just like see it from the inside um and if if not there or in addition to there yeah, like go somewhere else i mean like i i'm so glad that i came to south america because yeah it's a completely different world view um because of th their climates and because of where they are like on planet earth and, and because it's a a, a spanish-speaking culture like um it i mean they, they had a very different colonial experience than North America did. I mean, up in North America, of course, it's primarily English-speaking. We've got the French-English thing going on in Canada. Here, it's Spanish, and it's a completely different mindset as a result. It's, it's been really, really neat to see that. That concludes this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself, and let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to The Expats wherever you download your podcasts. And please make sure you leave us a review. That would help us out a lot. You can also follow and like us on both Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Expats Podcast. The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. For you hockey fans out there looking for great podcast content, I highly recommend you check out The Fourth Line Podcast. Carl Landra and Joel Schnell host the show and their passion for the game is clear. And you won't only hear them confine themselves to their beloved teams. You get new hockey content every single week, and if you like what you hear, you can even unlock more content by supporting their Patreon campaign. You can check them out at thefourthlinepodcast.com. That's the 4 thlinepodcast.com and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also hear the Fourth Line Podcast and other great Alberta Podcast Network shows on the fantastic G Radio. Visit gradio.ca to discover new and excellent content today. And also, if you happen to be a fan of CKUA Radio in Alberta, just like me, you should download the CKUA app where you'll be able to access all Alberta Podcast Network shows directly. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks. <laughs>